Good afternoon and welcome to The Therapy Files. This is episode six and today, as you might have noticed, there's been a change in the music. So that obviously means we're discussing a specific topic. This week we're discussing serial killers, Callum's favourite topic, which is why we're doing it. We are also proud to announce that we are sponsored by Swanshaw, the finest outfitters and purveyors of kitchen units in the UK. They also do shop fittings as well, as well as multi areas of joinery. So please, they are the finest in the UK. Do hit them up. Their description is in the description below. And as ever, I am obviously joined by my colleague Callum, who handily contributed to that advert there. Hi Callum, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, Craig. I'm absolutely fantastic. And I sound like I sound like Swanshaw's really a big fan. I'm a really big fan of Swanshaw, and I really am. So that's that's something I'm really Excellent. pleased about. I'm really pleased we've got them on board of the podcast. And um, I think that they can do some real good and, and you know will help a lot in the UK, especially with the with the economy the way it is. I think I think Swanshaw's certainly the future of joinery. Yes, about. absolutely. And uh, I think it would be really interesting going forward to get the proprietor of Swanshaw on because you you said that he'd had an experience with mental health and perhaps he could share his experience at some point. Certainly, yeah, I've absolutely spoken to him about that and he's all for it and he's, he's had a lot of history in the sporting industry as well and dealing with toxic masculinity and oh, all sorts of things. So I think a lot of people would be very interested to hear his perspective. I think that would be Yeah, fantastic. fantastic. So this is your topic. You're going to lead this. Uh, <laughs> I've been hoping why, to take control. Why, why serial killers? Because I'm sure our listeners will be listening and they'll be like, wow, you've kind of gone from lockdown to serial killers. That was a massive jump. Why? Why? Well, interestingly, I have a, some people may or may not know, I have a background in criminology. I've always had an interest in the macabre and I've always had a, uh, an interest in the deviant. And I would say serial killers, violent crime has always been something that's fascinated me. I think the, the paradox and the differences and the similarities between us and them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to use the quote unquote within, you know, with hyphens here, normal. I, I wrote a lot of papers when I did criminology on serial killers and how society has a perception of them and how mm-hmm. they've actually become a part of pop culture. So I was kind of hoping, Craig, if if I mean, if you don't, if you would like me to lead with this, and um, we could talk kind of about the the history of, and where the term serial killer comes from. Yeah, uh, if that's where you'd like to start, then let's let's begin. So uh, first of all, I want to let people know what a serial killer is. Now, a serial killer is somebody who kills over two people, and it's between two and ten, and there has to be a cooling off period in between crimes. So that means where the, the killer kills a few people or, or one person and then there's a break, a designated break where the person might go back into their normal lives and be a productive member of society. We have to remember that serial killers are often productive members of society. It's very rare that they're not. Uh, so it's nothing to do with Kellogg's then? Very fun. We're not being sponsored by Kellogg's either, guys. No, but serial killer. Serial killer. <laughs> okay, bad joke. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely fine, Craig. And serial killers, interestingly, have been around for many, many years. Earliest dating back to the 14th century with okay. Vlad the Impaler. Oh, uh, was he uh, actually real then? He was. Yeah, I thought he, he was yeah. like a, a made-up fictional. No, he was. He was actually. He was a Romanian nobleman. Right. Yes, That's interesting. Um, and also, um, Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Now, I don't know if anybody's heard of them, but she heard heard of her. But she was actually called the Blood Countess. And she was responsible for a number of servant deaths in the 
15th century. She used to kill them and then bathe in their blood because she thought it would preserve her youth. I'm just letting that sink in. <laughs> oh, it's, um, very, it's very interesting, isn't it? It is, it is. It is very, what, very interesting. What did she feel that would lead to? Would she, she look younger? Thought, or? She, thought, she thought bathing in the blood would preserve her youth, Craig, interesting, that she thought that she would it would reduce the skin wrinkling. She thought that she would live longer if, if that was if that was to occur. Oh, right. um, so just, that is probably where bathing in the blood of virgins comes from. Uh, yeah, I imagine that's probably where she took that from. But mm. I imagine so. I imagine because where, where she was based in Eastern Europe as well. I think it was Eastern Europe or Germany, certain around that way. And um, mm-hmm. it was obviously very religious at that time, but very Catholicism, full of Catholicism. So I, I wouldn't surprise me if that's where she got the idea from. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I want kind of people to understand as well is the resident a serial killer is there is a massive difference between serial killers and other forms of murderers. Now they often get mixed up with people such as mass murderers. Now mass murderers are people who commit a singular act, one event. So that would be somebody who would kill, um, for example, such as the Columbine massacre. Those were mass murderers. Um, the postal worker murders were another one, and as well as the Oklahoma shooting. So we have to understand here that there is a massive difference between that and a serial killer. A mass murder and a serial killer are not the same thing. Further to that, there's also something called spree killers. Now that's somebody who kills, but not in the same area. So they will likely travel from one area to another. Um, famous serial killers include the o- Oklahoma sniper, uh, sorry, the Washington, not the Oklahoma, the Washington sniper uh, and Derek Bird. I don't know if you remember the Cumbria killings, Craig. It was around, it was a few, about a decade ago. Have you remember heard of him, Derek hmm. Bird? I, I used to have a teacher called Derek Bird. Um, and funnily <laughs> enough, he used to teach in Cumbria, I believe. Um, and actually he moved up to, is it, is it the... Midlands or somewhere like that and he's a he's a head teacher I'm assuming it's not the Derek Bird if you're listening to this Derek nice to mention you again and I hope you're doing well and we I hope, hope you haven't killed anyone I hope the school's going well <laughs> and uh, you haven't killed anybody recently. don't sue us we're, we're joking um, <laughs> and as well Craig another thing I wanted to put in there as well because again I'm interested in violent crime is a serial killer is not a mob hitman now a lot of people believe that that is the case they believe there is not a, not a distinction between a mob hitman and a serial killer and I understand where that comes from um, but a mob hitman is somebody who is paid to um, kill people and then targets are selected for them it is not the same thing as a serial killer who will likely select their own targets either at random or they will plan to attack them mm. well. is it true that mob hitmen um, often have quiffs and wear turtlenecks <laughs> no they have glasses and have hair tied back oh <laughs> um, so okay that's fine <laughs> I mean Craig what does that do for you what I've just told you then about the, the idea of a serial killer I mean did, did you have any preconceptions about what serial killers were all I imagined was men violence mm. and lots of knives and lots of blood that's, that's my good. that is sort of my preconception of serial killer when I instantly think about the word without even doing some prior thinking I know that a serial killer can be both a man or a woman um, I'm sure you'll go into talking about female serial killers as well but that was my initial preconception that it was a man and that's quite shocking given that I have a degree in gender studies and I should know better um, <laughs> but it does also show how much sort of violence is perpetuated around the stereotype of the man certainly um, yeah, it absolutely does Craig. It's that how, kind of that, that alpha male that that dark figure we call it in criminology the dark figure of crime we always imagine this black um silhouette uh, mm-hmm. of a shadow of a man in the background who's almost looming over us if that makes sense it's never a woman mm-hmm. uh, but like you say craig you're absolutely right and people have written very heavily on female killers 
killers uh, as well. I, I, a woman who I'd recommend who uh, wrote a book on serial killers is Catherine M. Ramsland. And her 2006 book is called Inside the Minds of Serial Killers and Why They Kill. And she gives an excellent, excellent examples of what killings are and what mm. they are not and the reasons behind why those perpetrate killings. Um, another one I'd recommend is called Scott Bond, um, who I'll get a little bit into later. He discusses why we have such an interest for somebody like myself in the criminal mind and why we why serial killers fascinate us so much. Mm. Uh, I think that's really interesting when you refer to it as the criminal mind. Mm. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about what the criminal mind looks like? Well, that's a million dollar question, isn't it, Craig? Um, if I'm really honest, I don't know what the criminal mind looks like. There are a, va- a variety of perspectives and thoughts as to why of what the criminal mind is and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe it's a smaller amygdala, which is at the back of the brain, back of the brain area, um, which is what is controls our danger responses. Now, for people who, are, who are suffer from psychopath, psychopathy and sociopath tendencies, sociopathic tendencies, it is sometimes found, and not always, I want that to put out, that the amygdala is much smaller than mm-hmm. the average human's. Additionally, the orbital frontal cortex, which processes emotions, which is located at the front of the head, is significantly smaller in some cases. And I want to emphasise some cases as well, mm-hmm. which means that they might have a, a less likelihood of processing their emotions. I suppose on the other side of that, you've got theorists like Cesare Lombroso, mm, uh, particularly the head, in, the, in the sociology of crime, who argues that criminals have larger foreheads. <laughs> Oh dear, look at that. I'm just looking at Rosso the... was an interesting cat. He, <laughs> he certainly was. He certainly was. Yeah, I, I just can't help but fixate on both our foreheads right now because well, well, they... interestingly you say that because if you if you look at his old if you look at the old mug shots from when he was around, and a great emphasis was put on the palms and the foreheads, and that was because of him. Oh my god. <laughs> so true, so true. Seriously, he took very like Sigmund Freud, and I'm, I'm certainly not knocking Freud. But what I'm saying is, he was took very seriously by the experts. They, they really believed that they had larger, a larger forehead. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming that was it disproved, or is it still a relevant theory? I mean, you think? <laughs> I think common sense prevailed, but I, I suppose you could never discount it, could you? No, <laughs> I, no. I can't see it. Be, I can't see it being. A, I can't see it. But with, with all due respect, Lombro, so God rest your soul. I can't see it being. A, <laughs> kept if that makes any sense uh, but going back to what you were saying about you know the feminist perspective Craig mm-hmm. a lot of feminists think it's actually quite sexist to not include females within the serial killer bracket I, um, I and, I, agree. and I actually pulled up a statistic that 17% of homicides are actually completed by women across the world serial killers such as Eileen Wernos who people may or may not know there's actually filmed on about her it's called Monster it's absolutely fantastic it's directed by another feminist called Patty Jenkins I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work Craig she directed one the woman oh, um, she's fantastic great great director obviously we, we, we spoke about before uh, a bit about the, the countess uh, elizabeth the bathory another example i would give as well i'm just trying to find her name also right. just just while you're finding in your notes i'm just wondering would it be useful to define what a homicide actually is yes. because i don't I, I personally got confused when yeah i looked at the term homicide i don't have a definition up right now but i will go and google it so according to the britannic article homicide is the killing of one human being by another Mm -hmm. 
homicide is a general term and may refer to non-criminal act yeah. as well as the criminal act of murder. Yeah. Some homicides are considered justifiable, such as killing a person to prevent the commission of a serious felony yeah. or to aid representative of the law. I don't know about you, but homicide as a word doesn't seem to seep into British criminal justice, does it? No, it no, strikes me as an no, American very American term. word, very Americanized word, very American Canadian word. Um, I think we often just use the term murder in the, in the UK or um, yeah, that's you know, why I got yeah. confused. Absolutely, it's very, it's very, it's very difficult, difficult. And even even the term serial killer was not actually coined by an English. It was actually it was coined in Hampshire. I'll just find him. Got so many notes here, people. It's absolutely insane. I do apologise. Took a long time doing this. He's got six pages of notes. I've seen them. I've overwritten it. Oh, before I forget as well, another another um, ser- another serial killer female one was actually a woman called Dorothy Bertwee. Um, she actually was an old lady, and she killed an old woman. Sorry, I do apologise. An old woman who actually killed multiple vulnerable men who were under her care. She killed them by poisoning and checked in, and, and cashed in their really? checks and buried them in her garden. So just to give you an even broader perspective, people like Rose West who have that kind of grandma look can be very dangerous as well Mm, i'll have to double check whether my grandma is a serial killer or not (laughs) that could be a total podcast in itself i wonder if my grandma is a serial killer the new feature from uh, the therapy files the federal bureau of investigation defines a serial killer as a person who commits a number of murders ranging from two to ten and as i said before they traditionally have a cooling off period Uh word comes from an fbi agent called robert resler this was in 1974 Okay. Find the term serial homicide during a lecture at the police academy in Manchester. Sorry, in Hampshire, UK. In the okay. UK. Um, so the term serial killer comes from America, but it was originally called serial homicide. Okay. So there was a. I'm, I'm sensing a lot of American influence over this. Certainly. Is that because the FAI is an American thing? I think so. I mean, I mean, obviously, as well. What we have to look at as well, America are a lot more financially have a lot more financially than us, and they have put a lot more stock into understanding the minds of serial killers. Of course we have done in the UK as well but it's a much larger country with much more diversity um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more kind of room for that to be looked at if that makes any sense certainly certainly I just wanted to point out as well Craig um, as I was talking about before, there's also another serial killer who was in the 15th century I didn't mean to mention there's two one was called H.H. H. Holmes I don't know if you've heard of him he very famously built a hotel of horrors which would trap people inside it with like revolving doors and things like that, trap doors oh, and then that he sounds use, like a Stephen King novel it does doesn't it and he would actually sell their bodies to science for money so he killed a lot of people and obviously the most famous of all Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. um, and what's your interest on do you, I mean do you, I, don't, I don't know but in terms of sociology and literature Craig did, did that did these things ever come up for you in, in, in kind of, kind of be what you studied in terms of the criminal what came up for me was uh, in a module around gothic literature and um, we were looking at the te- was it the fascinating tales of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Ah, um, isn't it? One of the earliest notions of a serial killer. It, yeah. I think uh, you mean the strange case of, don't you? The, the, yes, the strange case of. Uh, I think that was fascinating how how the theory of a serial killer was actually implemented within that novel because it was almost sort of like scientific as well. But it's also got the idea of the doubling and it depends who got blamed for it, which yeah. killing, whether it yeah. was Mr. Hyde or Mr. Jekyll. Definitely. And actually, there was only one person 
Absolutely. <laughs> well, two in one, wasn't there? Indeed. Um, in terms of an attraction to the macabre, Craig, would you be able to say, like yourself, are you attracted to kind of the darker side of literature? Things like that. I mean, so, you know, for example, I use, I'll use an example like I really love um, H.G. Wells, I love Edgar Allan Poe, you know, what's the other guy called from America? Um, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, all that kind of really yeah. interesting kind of horror, dark, darker side. I mean, Mary Shelley is another example, Sylvia Plath. Is there any, anyone you particularly like in that? So I have a big spot for Stephen King there because I think he's mm. fantastic. He has obviously, if you're listening, Stephen, I apologise well, for what I'm about to say, but I think you've written way more books than anybody ever could in a lifetime. <laughs> and, you know, how you keep cranking out those books, I have no idea. But yeah, he, he's fascinating and he's sort of like got the traditional idea of the Gothic and sort of taken it elsewhere. Yeah. He's taken it way beyond where it could ever go these days. But in comparison to, you were saying, Edgar Allan Poe. I think Edgar Allan Poe is a fascinating writer. Obviously, he's no longer with us, but his work it very much is. Uh, one of the examples I can think about that is truly horrifying, maybe not actually, is it a serial killer situation? Or is it just one murder? I'm not sure. Can't remember. But... Doesn't have to be, it's okay. The Telltale Heart was just sort of like yeah. under the... You know, and I think it was under the floorboards, actually. <laughs> and it's about this guy who sort of like killed somebody and we're sort of like seeing his madness. Mm. I say madness in quotes because obviously madness is not a thing. Uh, and it's like psychologically, it's a psychological condition, yeah. obviously. Mm. And we are beyond the idea of representing madness and we have to represent it positively for equality's purposes, which is... Uh, Absolutely. And they actually coined Craig as well. Um, one of the, the term of why um, killers, why, sorry, why we attracted to these things is called, in its termed, hybristophilia, uh, which is a, a paraphilia type of paraphilia where one finds either pleasure or fascination in the killing or the arousal in a partner's of distress. So if, if somebody has put somebody through other kinds of torture or um, Ill, Ill being, um, we naturally have an attraction to that. Now, it doesn't mean sexually, it means also of an interest. Hybristophilia though, also does have another meaning where it means that a person does have a sexual interest in that as well. So that could be somebody falling in love with a serial killer. For example, Richard Ramirez, he was married on death row to a fan. Charles Manson, he had many followers. This isn't an unusual commodity. It does happen. Is why, just to add a point here, is this why we see a lot of couple serial killers? Yes. Uh, in terms of, yeah. we've got uh, Myra Hindley and yeah. her husband, I've forgotten what her husband Ian was Brady. called. Ian Brady. They, they were a couple, weren't they? So, yes. They and we've got Fred and Rose West, obviously. Yeah. And obviously there was uh, a lot Bonnie of... Clyde, a Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie yes. yeah, yeah. and Clyde, yes. Yeah, Bonnie Clyde. You know, very James Dean reference there. I think, good, I think, yeah, thank you. I think there's something very interesting about that, though, isn't it? And I think more than anything, it's serial killers like Ted Bundy, like Richard Ramirez, who really broke that mold of what we thought a serial killer was supposed to look like. I think people thought they were these deformed creatures that lived in the dark and came out at night and preyed on vulnerable young women, when actually, mm. and men, but mostly the stereotype is mostly towards young women. But actually, you know, Ted Bundy really broke that mold of that. For example, he was very good looking. He was a law student. He had a degree. He was on the Samaritans. He saved many people from dying 
bank and he even got an award for saving a young boy from drowning. So I think when we start to peel back, I think that's when we see a real shift in where people's fascinations with serial killers kind of went through the roof as well because I think they realised, hey, this isn't that these aren't creepy men that are hiding behind in the wardrobe somewhere. They're very normal people with very normal lives. Mm. You know, BTK is an example of that. Um, you know, fitting in for many, many years until he was caught Dennis Raider, um, mm. living a normal life, educated, good job, you know, family Christian man. I mean, do you just want to maybe go through um, a quick summary of people like Ted Bundy and Richard R- Ramirez? Because I, I don't know a lot about Ted Bundy or Richard Ramirez. I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, so, Richard so, so Ramirez. Richard, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. So Ted Bundy was active um, in, in Chicago. He was active in Seattle, Washington for many years. He killed countless young women. And he was also a necrophile, which means he actually used to have sexual attractions to their corpse as well. That would be after he killed them. And he'd also go back to the crime scene to perform further sexual acts with them. He was mm-hmm. apprehended and he escaped. And he, they caught him back again, this time in Florida. Uh, he killed more people within Florida. And eventually he was executed. Uh, Richard Ramirez. Ramirez was called the Night Stalker. He was active in Los Angeles. He was from a, a Mexican family, uh, Mexican descent. No, no, he was Mexican. No, he was Mexican. I apologise. He was a Mexican. He was a Mexican um, gentleman who, um, again, he was a Satanist. That has nothing to do, by the way, with him being a serial killer. His beliefs were Satanism, though. However, we know Satanism is a completely safe religion to practice. That is not judgment on anybody. But he believed that the devil needed him to kill people, so he, he took his time killing lots of elderly women and young women, and I think even their partners at times through Los Angeles. And mm. the, the city was literally in a panic. Um, he was eventually caught and he was sentenced to death. He married on death row and eventually, sadly, you know, as I don't like the death penalty whatsoever, as everyone will know, um, he was executed. But in terms of kind of in terms of kind of that, that was a very big case, a massive case in America. And he wasn't the original Night Stalker. There was another, there was an original, an actual original Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to like British serial killers, mm-hmm. one name that stands out to me that I know of, and this is probably to do with the fact that my grandfather was in the police force and he had two sons or has two sons who also worked in the police force, Nigel and Colin, if you're listening, mm-hmm. hello. We're going to talk about Christie. So John Christie, have you heard about yeah. John Christie? Yeah, I have indeed, yeah. He sort of was in London and sort of like killed women and hid them under floorboards wow. uh, recently i say recently I, I think a couple of years ago there was a program a dramatized program about about them um, and all the while he was killing random women and sort of didn't tell his wife and in the end his wife caught him doing it and then mm. he killed his wife wow Mm. Oh, did, so, your, did, your, did your relatives uh, work with him as well? Did they did they, did they work with him directly? Or? No, I think the fascination with with or hearing about on my knowledge about John Christie came from the fact that uh, my uncle Nigel was absolutely fascinated by uh, John Christie. Right having heard a lot about him and for his, I think it was his 11th birthday, my grandfather said, would you like to go and see the house where it was in London? Uh, So yes, he actually took him to see the place in London where it was because my uncle had a fascination with that particular case. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he had a fascination with serial killers. We are naturally attracted to the darker things. And just what I was going to say, the original Night Stalker was named Joseph James D'Angelo and he's actually more known, more recently, 
recently as the Golden State Killer. Uh, he was apprehended, uh, I think it was last year, finally, after about 40 years of being being on the run. So that was that. When you say the Golden State Killer, what, what state is that referring to? Uh, it would be Sam, uh, California. Okay. I'll just double-check uh, that just to make sure I'm not giving you false things. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that would be the case. Let me just have a look for you. Uh, yep, it was California. Excellent. Why do I question myself? My God. Um, and if anybody wants more information on, on this, now there's a, funnily enough, it's not your uncle Nigel, but there's a bloke called Nigel Blundell who in 2010 wrote a book called Serial Killers of the World's Most Evil, um, which gives a good in, in, in idea as to why we have those attractions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is very interesting, though. I think, and I think that, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of speak about as well is the reason we kind of touched on it a little bit. Then with hybristophilia, um, is why people kill, uh, why serial killers become serial killers. Do you want to give me some examples, Craig, that you know of? And I'll kind of see if you're right or wrong on that one. Yeah. Um, so I, my first example um i don't actually know whether they're classed as serial killers or not but the bulgers and the people who killed jamie bulger again this is a case that is very closely related to my family Mm -hmm. because my uncle was pictured on the news um trying to apprehend the individual as part of the case and he also was on the front of the newspaper at that point it is it is i can't remember who it was that killed jamie bulger Um, venables and thompson that's the one would you say that they were serial killers no no. so it was just a one-off case could have i mean they absolutely could very well have turned out to be serial killers i wouldn't you know i'd never dispute that but um, they only ever killed one so they wouldn't fall under the the the, the banner of serial if that makes any sense so that was my my uh failure there my apologies um so if we're talking about serial killers we will probably talk about sorry bear with me i have done research on this believe it or not um in preparation for this um interview i read two books about serial killers by christopher i know what i know why you're saying well done there there's an inside joke going on there, dear listener, um, which we will not let you be privy to. I, oh, and before I forget as well, um, I did I, 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 I did mention it before. Um, I've got to think. The, 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 the bloke who wrote the book, um, Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal this is of, the world, of the World's Most Savage, um, was called Scott Bond, and that was out in 2014. Right. Okay, that's fine. So one of the serial killers that uh, Christopher Berry D talks yeah. about is Michael Bruce Ross. Okay. Um, and he also talks about Harvey Lewis Cranigan. Yep. And he also talks about Arthur John Shawcross. Yep. And John Martin Scripps, as well as Donald Joseph Butch Defoe Jr., Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Aileen Carroll we're in Sauce. Have we that's already what I mentioned before. Yeah, that's her, that, yeah, that's from the film Monster. Uh, Douglas Daniel Clark and Carol Mary Bundy. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a question there. Is Carol Mary Bundy actually related to Ted no. Bundy? No. Right, okay. No uh, and also Henry Lee Lucas. Yes, Henry Lee Lucas. Henry, it was actually very poverty struck. Mm. Not that it has any influence on his killing. I just thought. No, it's it's interesting. Um, in a gay relationship, but they used to go and kill um, young boys and girls together. Him and oh, his, right. Uh, okay. Partner, yeah, interestingly. That wasn't the gay slayer, was it? No, that's Colin Island. That's Colin oh, right. Perhaps, you, perhaps now would be an appropriate time to talk about that. Well, what, before we think, what, what, what do you think makes people kill, Greg? What do you think? <gasps> Give me an example. What makes people kill? Let me think. 
the, the well being a sociologist primarily, I would probably look at the background, what how they were brought up, yep. the experiences they were exposed to. For example, I think it was a couple, one of these serial killers that I've just listed actually saw their mother having sex with many different people mm. throughout his life, and he wasn't shielded from that. Mm. And he was exposed to violence and that's how he sort of fell into being a serial killer because he was predisposed to sexual violence. Certainly sexual deviancy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, and what also makes people kill, I suppose, vengeance. Mm. Yeah, I suppose great. if somebody's done something wrong or done, done harm to somebody else, they sort of see an eye for an eye. What about the fact that they are sort of just fascinated by other cases of serial killers? Yeah, I mean, people do develop obsessions with serial killers. It, is, it isn't something that, that that's happened. <clears throat> All the time, vengeance ends up in mass murders or spree murders, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Enough, um, but a few things I've written down is socio-economic factors. So where mm-hmm. they are, they, by the way, this is not concrete. This doesn't mean everybody who comes from a certain area is going to be a serial killer. It's no. just if these things can influence it. So socio-economic factors, delusions. You know, thinking they are carrying out a false belief from a higher power. Maybe they believe that they are on a path to, to righteousness, and to do this, they have to kill a certain amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, sexual gratification. We talked about hyperstaphylia. T- serial killers such as Albert Fish. Gary Ridgway, Ted Bundy, Dennis Rader, Robert Hansen, and Manchester's own Trevor Hardy, if anyone's heard of him, all killed through sexual gratification. Um, Mental health conditions such as antisocial personality disorder, split personality disorder, can lead to killings, becoming serial killers. But again, that is not concrete. I do not want to emphasize on silly stereotypes. But yes, mental health can lead to people becoming serial killers. Have we we had any serial killers that have killed because of their mental health? Yes, I would give an example of Richard Chase, who was known as the vampire of Sacramento. He believed he had had split personality and he very much believed that there were aliens draining his blood. So therefore he had to kill people in order to revamp his blood, blood in his system, essentially. Mm. So that has happened. Uh, but again, it's extremely rare. Um, prejudice. So we have Colin Ireland, the gay slayer. He was, he, yeah. you know, he took a New Year's vow. I think it was in 2000 that he wanted to become a serial killer and kill gay people. And because and also that they were the easiest target at the time. And mm-hmm. in London, people didn't really look if they went missing because of prejudice. And many, he killed many gay men. Nature versus nurture. So difficult bringing. Can, I, can I ask whether that gentleman, was he ever, did he ever have any prejudice again? Was he the recipient of any prejudice? From, from who? From anybody in terms of before before he became a serial killer not that i'm aware of i'm just wondering whether he himself had um any lgbtq affiliation because often we kind of it's the idea of bullying and sort of like being bullied often in the lgbtq community you know people can be violent towards other people Certainly, yeah, of course, because they're of course. not necessarily yeah, yeah, absolutely comfortable with their own sexuality if that makes yeah. sense and i was just wondering whether yeah, he was yeah. no it's a really good point craig but no absolute no there was, there was no affiliation with lgbtq community he, he right. was a massive homophobe but i think he also realized at the time that they also realized that if gay men went missing at that time they wouldn't be missed mm-hmm. 
basically. And it was the same with Des Nielsen. Now, Des Nielsen was actually a homosexual um, serial killer. I think, I don't know if you saw the TV series, Des You Craig. made me watch it. I did make you watch it. Uh, I mean, I read, I, I actually read the book <laughs> on that, Killing for Comfort. And it is a, it's a fantastic read. I would recommend that anybody reads it. And that, that, that discusses kind of him killing due to potential loneliness. And he also had a bit of a fascination with death due to his grandfather dying. And mm. again, gay, gay men weren't missed back then. So when he did kill them and keep them under his floorboards or keep them for company, nobody, nobody took any interest tragically because of the natural homophobia that existed and still does exist within society. It's sad that it exists at all and anybody's lives were lost because of it. But you can understand why I asked the question whether there was any connection between his own sexuality and his killings. Absolutely. Because he couldn't accept himself, maybe. But I don't know, obviously you're saying that there wasn't. No, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's highly (laughs) possible. It's highly possible. Obviously, like you said before, Craig, nature versus nurture. So difficult upbringings. And I also kind of said, you know, issues with the brain, trauma to the brain can maybe be able to cause it as well. I mean, again, but this does not mean for everybody. It's just been things that have been found before in the study of serial killers' brains by people like Michael Stone. And also witnessing trauma, for example, the army, uh, emergency Mm -hmm. services, 7% of all serial killers are ex-military, believe it or not. I had read that statistic. I had, yeah. I, I think that's quite something, really. Really is. Stand as well that serial killers don't just exist in the West. There are people, you know, in Asia and Africa who are very prolific serial killers. Um, to give you an example, Yang Liu in um, China killed uh, 67 women. He was a former doctor. Mm-hmm. I apologize to our Japanese viewers if there are any on my pronunciation here, but Tsumo Miyazaki was a Japanese serial killer who was put to death who killed many people. So it is it is something that very much, you know, exists all over the world. Pedro Lopez, who killed over, is estimated killed over 300 people, was active in Colombia, Peru, and Ecuador, and South America as well. So we do know that serial killing is a worldwide thing. It's not something that is just in the West. Obviously, Andre Chikolito, who was in Russia, he's one of the most prolific killers as well. I would argue that that was resulted due to the the issues that was with the old USSR and the fa- the the famine, the Great Famine created by Stalin as well. He witnessed cannibalism when he was younger, so I think that that may have played into him becoming a cannibal himself mm-hmm. and, a, and a necrophilia. I mean, there's I know we're not this part yet, but I'm just thinking serial killers on television and mm-hmm. how they're represented. We we can talk about that because there's a couple of Netflix dramas Absolutely. that I've seen, which is one of them is a comedy drama. Is that the is the end of the fucking world? No, but I love that. It's yeah, fantastic. <laughs> It's fantastic. The one I was thinking about was the Santa Clara Diet. Ah, fantastic, yeah. Uh, Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I've not watched it, though. So it's two estate agents, and one of the estate agents, they're both married. His wife, Oliphant, stars as her husband, but... Her wife, his wife gets sort of turned into a vampire. And in order for them to be, in order for her to sort of like feed, he goes out and kills people for Mm. her. But yeah, there's a a connection there somewhere. That's very Sweeney Todd. (laughs) I I mean, it does. It does. I mean, also, when we think about it, what about Sweeney Todd as a serial killer? Yeah, absolutely. And he's beloved, isn't he? He's beloved. People love him. People love that. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, as, as we approach the end of the first part, Craig, I think it's very interesting what we've spoken about here on, on defining what a serial killer is, a bit of the history on on where they come from, you know, what makes a person kill, as well as society's fascination with serial killers and where they come from. And dear listener, we do want you to understand we know there's a lot more in here, but we literally would be here for about three days going yeah, through the amount of, of stuff. We so we're trying to keep it a bullet point as best we can. And Craig's given me kind of a list of questions to kind of draw on for the research that I, what I was putting forward for this podcast. So I 
know there's a lot that's been missed out, but trust me, we would be here for hours and you do not want that. You do not want no. me and Craig here for a week straight going through all this. No, because we want to be paid because we've been basically lecturing there. <laughs> but before we finish with the, the part, I want to put an unscripted question to you. On, fire away. Where did your fascination with serial killers come from? That's a very good question. Originally. I, I believe, I believe, Craig, personally, because I was bullied as a child, because I was bullied as a child, mm-hmm. I, I was recently reading a book and it was basically called Why People Become Why Bully, Why Bullying Victims Become Criminology Students. And uh, apparently it's a way for them to try and comprehend the things that have been done to them. And I'm, I'm by no means comp- comparing bullying and serial killing to the same thing. But I think that's where it came from. I think it was that understand, trying to understand people who were different to who I was and I mean maybe and a little bit as well I'm certainly by the way I'm certainly I'm certainly no serial killer I'm a, I'm a lousy fighter I'm much more of a pacifist but I think there's something about being marginalized by society and being feeling different and I think maybe somewhere in me there was some a part of me that wanted to relate to these people I think mm. so or understand them you know I felt different they were different um, I mean this was a very young age I remember being something I think I was 11 when I first started reading up on them um, so I think I think it's a side of me that wants to understand the difference sides of society and also maybe find some relation in that as well but i mean would, would you say you definitely have um exposure to that word that you used which is a really long word and i can't remember what it was hybristophilia yes so i wouldn't say i have hybristophilia per se i would say i would say that because i certainly i'm certainly don't gain any sexual gratification but i certainly think i'm kind of the other end where um i have a fact i am fascinated by it and aroused in a way that would be non-sexually it arouses me in terms of in in terms of my my um, interests. Is there a word for that? I don't know. I, I couldn't find one when I was researching. There may very well be. Right. All I found recently <laughs> is interest in Macarver, so that's what I've been using so far. But if, mm. if they're listening, if you have a word for it, please let me know, because that would be really helpful. Yeah, excellent. Well, here endeth part one, and we will see you shortly. And we... Good afternoon and welcome to part two of The Therapy Files. We're proud to announce that we're sponsored by Swanshaw, the finest purveyors and fitters of kitchens, wardrobes, bedrooms and shops. So, part two. Oh God, what more serial killers have you got for us, Callum? <laughs> it's not like a conveyor belt of serial killers. So I thought we could have a look, as we talked about why we were interested in the macabre, I thought maybe we could look at representation of serial killers within the media and within pop culture. Um, I don't yeah. know about you, but I've, I've always enjoyed you know, reading about 
about them. And my, my mom, no, no secret, one of my all-time favorite films is Zodiac. Um, I have not seen it. Film about the serial killer Zodiac. He was actually never called the Zodiac Killer. And is it on Netflix? It, I don't. It was. I don't know if it still is. It's a fantastic movie. That is absolutely brilliant. And it's, it's just yeah, awesome. Um, and basically, it, it talks about kind of how it all came about. You know, kind of how he was never caught, and it shows his crimes being committed and how the police worked. And yeah, it's just very interesting about the, the notes they got. Which one was recently deciphered? If anybody doesn't know, it actually said underneath, "I do not fear the gas chamber." But, was he gassed? I'm assuming. No, he was never caught. Oh. He's either dead or he's still out there among us, Craig, somewhere. Or she. Could be how, she. how old are we expecting him or her? Or well, they I, ima- I imagine. I imagine. I imagine. Great. If they, if they do still exist, um, they would be very old. Probably 90s, 80s, 90s, maybe. Wow. But they could still be there. We don't know, do we? I mean, you know, as, as I showed you before, Dorothy with Dorothy, uh, Dorothy and um, Bertwig, you know, she's a perfect example. Of, sorry, Dorothy Puente, she's a perfect example of, you know, she was in her late 80s and she killed six men. So mm-hmm. it can happen at any age. Absolutely. And just to think about, you were asking me about what serial killers can I think about? One serial killer I didn't mention because I don't think he's actually considered a serial killer, but he is uh, Hitler. Hitler. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Hitler as a serial Hitler, killer. Hitler, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be more classed as a mass, well, as like a mass murderer, wouldn't it, really? But yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Though. But it, I but it makes sense, doesn't it? It does make sense. Yeah, what's the difference between mass murder and serial yeah, killer? absolutely. And that, that's the, the same thing, a bit similar, Craig, with hitmen. That's what a lot of criminologists are arguing right now. And it's certainly one we used to debate on is, is there really a difference in having you having your victim selected for you and having them paid than you just selecting them out yourself and not being paid for it? Really, there's not. You know, people like Richard Kuklinski, um, the Iceman. Um, and another, heard about him. Yeah, absolutely. Very fascinating. You can watch the interviews with him on, on YouTube. Mm. Um, you know, Vincent Magdog Cole, another, another hitman who killed countless people you know it's just unbelievable and I think what the kind of debate is is is, is there a real difference circumstantially maybe mm. you know, Hitler's in different circumstances most serial killers he had a lot of power but like you say and you're absolutely right they're still doing the same thing mm-hmm. so yeah food for food for thought there really but yeah popular culture and serial killers now I know Callum is a little bit obsessed with this show so let's mention it and see what his reaction is Dexter oh how long did that take my dear dear Dexter um yeah Dexter's a, a perfect example um of how obsessed we are with serial killers and Dexter is a callous killer he may kill bad people but we cheer him and we want him to win and that is something very interesting isn't it dear listener the fact that this man is murdering people in cold blood regardless of their circumstances even sometimes in the series there isn't a reason mm. and we're cheering for him so that kind of shows the twist doesn't it that in some regard these monsters that we once imagined in the wardrobe you know all of a sudden there are friends there we, we you know people find them very sexually gratifying you know there's a really interesting thing you know I remember there being a Dexter fan page of you know men and women just saying how much they fancied him and how much they'd love to do X, Y, and Z to him. You know, it's so interesting of the, of the turn of that. You know, it's a fantastic series. The books are fantastic as well by Jeff Lindsay. I'd highly recommend giving them a read. I um, to read them. So I think I think that's an honest thing. I wrote many. I wrote an essay on Dexter uh, in my criminology days, talking what about was the, what was your thesis, like your your primary argument. It was essentially about Dexter becoming, but essentially about serial killers becoming part of popular culture mm-hmm. and the influence that Dexter had, had on me personally. There was a reflexive bit at the end, so I was able to put my own. Um, my own kind of spin on it how you know I very much related to Dexter in terms of not not what he was doing but in terms of we both came from difficult backgrounds we both felt like outcasts we both weren't really great at portraying our emotions we both, both weren't very emotional people back then so mm-hmm. I was kind of conveying that I felt man and his world very much collided at one point of course we both had different moral compasses mm-hmm. um, but I still found it very interesting that how I, I really related to this really abhorrent human really mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely you know, and 
further, you know, Silence of the Lambs or Hannibal Lecter, look how beloved he is. Yeah. Um, I have only ever seen a couple of scenes from Silence of the Lambs because I think it's terrifying. But when he just stands there and he's like strapped to a, a trolley and it's like i'm here i'm going to kill you <laughs> it's it's a bit it's a bit terrifying absolutely and there is a serial killer in in the uk who is very very similar to to hannibal lecter who's also kept underneath a um underneath a prison um in a glass cage his name was robert maudsley i don't know if anybody's heard of him um now, but he, he was from liverpool and he was a cannibal i don't i didn't hear about him but i'm also thinking about have you seen ratchet on netflix i haven't no but i've heard of it it's it's really good it's a representation of Nurse Ratchet before the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her brother, allegedly, is a serial killer. Right. And he, he just kills priests. Wow. And obviously, I think he's fictional because yeah. it's not actually based on anything. But he's also a serial killer. And That's he right. ends up in Mental Asylum, as it was known back then, where they did all sorts of things to people, like shoving ice picks through their brains. Mm, but globalization, isn't it? Indeed. It's very I interesting. It's very, and, you know, it, this, this popular culture goes, all the way back to to Jack the Ripper, for example. You know, just, mm. you talked about kind of that kind of Victorian, well, I'm saying Victorian, it's 19th century era, but uh, predominantly Victorian era, you know, with Jack the Ripper, you know, you know, there were comics written on him. The From Hell comic is a particular one I can remember. And they're very mm. much um, in the media, they very much perpetuated Jack's crimes. We obviously we don't know that's his name. The letters, the dear old boss letter and the From Hell letter he sent in, we, we now know were likely fake. Um, and it just showed the media's influence on the on the culture back then. Mm, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think also, did you hear of Gentleman Jack? Yes, of course I did. On yeah. television recently with Saran Jones in it. I think that yeah. was like a, a representation of these Jack the Ripper as a female. Right, well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think, again, I think I think we, that's another thing, Craig, isn't it? We assume that Jack the Ripper was male. We don't know that. Again, that dark figure of crime, we automatically imagine him as a male. Mm. Likely he was a male because of the, because of the injuries inflicted and it would have taken, I mean, I'm certainly not saying a woman couldn't commit those moves, certainly could, but it would have took somebody of considerable height and stature to be able to overpower some of those women. Because we have to remember as well, those women were streetwise. They weren't mm. um they weren't they weren't pushovers by by any means necessary. Um, and I think I think more than anything it shows that kind of with Jack the River, um, the longevity, we still don't know who he is. You know, we don't know. Didn't we hear that he died recently? Which serial killer had died? Jack the Ripper definitely died, did not die recently. Uh, right. <laughs> I, on your Facebook page, you shared oh, the fact that, that somebody the had died. Ripper, the Yorkshire Ripper that was. That was the right. I'm, see, I'm getting mixed up. No, 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 you're fine. I mean, for example, Mary Ann Kelly, for example, was a big woman who Jack the Ripper murdered. It was unlikely. I mean, absolutely, again, I'd say absolutely absolutely could have been a female, but it was more likely to be male, you know, mm -hmm. who overpowered her in terms of physical stature. But the Dear Old Boss letter was actually written by a media member, a news writer, to, to gain more publicity on, on, on who the Jack the Ripper was. He was mm -hmm. The term Jack came from the legend, the, the myth, uh, Springheel Jack. Right. Just a bit of interesting trivia there for you. But people like Zodiac and Jack the Ripper who haven't been caught, we still want to know who they are all those years later. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I suppose it's that, that fascination with who's behind the mask. Absolutely. And I mean, I know we're not talking about cartoons or anything, but often like Scooby-Doo sort of gives you the idea of like serial killers and, and unmasking and people trying to figure out who is behind the mask and what is behind the crime. And I think that's probably why criminology as, as a field still exists 
today. I think criminal psychology as well. I mean, there is something about, isn't there? I mean, Dexter very much explores this, but I suppose, you know, kind of similar is we're always shocked by people who seem so normal. People like, you know, people like Peter Sutcliffe, people like, uh, you know, Gary Ridgeway, Eileen Wernos. It is Mm -hmm. so, so strange to think, oh, they were such nice people who seem so normal could turn out to be this monster behind the mask, the mask they wear in public. You know, they Mm -hmm. hide and played sight, they blend in, and that's with that normal, normal, I use that in very commons. Son of Sam was another example of that. Uh, David Berkowitz. So it, it does happen. Robert Hansen, you know, he was a baker. I don't know if you've ever read the book Butcher Baker, but he used to take women out into the forest and hunt them like animals in Alaska, you know. So it, these things, you know, the, these people, you know, he was a Christian man. He had, you know, he had a very successful business, but he hated women. He was a misogynist and he and he certainly one thought that prostitutes were expendable. You know, in his interviews, he was very much like, I don't even know why I'm on trial for murder. You know, these are prostitutes, yeah. expendable people. You know, so it, it was, you know, it, it still is. It's still a very fascinating. Very, very the Pembrokeshire murders also brings brings up things recently because that was on television obviously a reconstruction but obviously it's sort of like presenting old cases as a form of consumption for popular culture Uh, because i hadn't ever heard of the pembrokeshire murders i think they were 90s was it the 90s um and obviously i'm not as well versed in serial killers as callum is but i come from a police family so i'm always interested in in crime and sort of the criminal aspect um so dad suggested we watch it and I was like what's this he's like watch it you'll find out it's a three-part drama but it was really good (laughs) <laughs> the current, actually Craig before I forget actually there is a, there is a, a current thing on Netflix about Richard Ramirez the Night Stalker you should, you should give that a watch what's it called it's called The Night Stalker I think The Night Stalker okay yeah give it a watch give it a watch honestly the book's very good as well it's just called Night Stalker just give, give that a read and Butcher mm-hmm. Baker they're all very good uh, Butcher Baker was written by the FBI agent who um, sorry FBI agent the Alaskan police agent who actually caught Robert Hansen in Alaska he very much took Cindy Paulson who was the prostitute who escaped from Hansen he believed her story when lots of people were ready to just condemn her to the streets so um, Glenn Flothy if you Flothy sorry your name's hard to pronounce if you are listening to this you are an absolute hero and thank you so so much you know for saving the rest of those girls from that monster you know you were amazing and if you want to come and talk to us yes feel yes. free to uh, contact us either via twitter or facebook page or our instagram idea, page stare at him through the whole thing with wide eyes like oh my god he's on my podcast <laughs> <laughs> he's an amazing guy though he never he never never got any never any recognition for it there was a film made about robert hansen called the frozen ground which is a really good film Mm-hmm. Um, and he had his name changed in there because he didn't want the recognition for saving people. He said, it's not about me. You know, he just wrote a book about his experiences and donated all the money to charity. So I think that's very honourable, really, that he, he chose to remain nameless. Yeah, well, he said, it's not about me. It's about the victims. It's about these women yeah. being power that men can't just snatch them off the street, use them and then kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's amazing. Well, you know, this was very much in the 70s and 80s, which was, you know, as, as we know, was a very misogynistic time, a very suspicious time of women. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, for you, Craig, I mean, I, I was just thinking as well, I know you're a fan of these soaps. I mean, people like Lucas from EastEnders, Richard Hillman from Coronation Street. I mean, is that is that Richard Hillman? Richard Hillman. You know, you know, Richard Hillman. You know, oh yes, he he is a character that sort of sticks in your mind when you think about serial killers. To be honest, I suppose is that also in Casualty in Holby City. It's all serial killers. Is that has that ever come uh, through? I, I know that I know there's been like mass shootings, for example. You know who killed all those kids in and you know Harold Shipman. You know doctors. Well, Chipman, I just wondered, yes. has that been depicted in a hospital drama before? No, I don't think it has. I don't think it has. Uh, so that would be interesting. 
I was just thinking, you know, because you think about, you know, Dr. Death, Harold Shipman. I actually used to live, work near his office, funnily enough, his old office. Oh, actually, now, now, now you're think, thinking about it. Holby City have got a Dr. Death at the moment. It's called Cameron Dunn. Uh, he's portrayed by an actor, obviously. Cameron is fictional. And he he's the son of a really, really talented surgeon who died recently in the programme. And he's just started killing people. <laughs> so I, I laugh I laugh out of nervousness because I would hope that there is no serial killers in the NHS at the moment although as we know there have Deppie been Hill had one didn't they yes yeah. Hill had one as recent as 2000 that's our local hospital in Stockport that they had a, they had a serial killer who, who killed several elderly people with the use of insulin so they do exist and I'm certainly not saying the NHS is full of serial killers I'm just saying that healthcare people you know people do exist in there who will harm people and have done historically mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's happening currently by the way but you know with people like Eileen Wernos like Harold Shipman very rare you know situations that arise it has happened you know yeah. you know even in the police you know they've been for ex- a lot of ex-police as we said before you know have historically become serial killers again not everyone a very very small minority but I some. just wonder why though mm. if, if somebody if somebody was a policeman and had a background in the law what is it that drives them to kill people though especially if they've been law abiding all their life well like Joseph D'Angelo for example he was a serial killer from America who was a police officer and he very much used the police policing in order to know how to gain access to people's houses for example right so he actually used that career to abduct people or and break into houses. So it's just an interesting. Um, and he used to kill people by the use of a um, a garret, you know, around the a throat and Paul and he'd make it into mm-hmm. a because he likes that power of bringing them back from the dead playing God which is another reason why people as I said before like to, to, to sorry become serial killers because they have this God complex where they like to feel that notion of taking another life or choosing having that power and deciding when a person lives or dies it's just fascinating stuff. I clearly need to read more. <laughs> it is. It's very, very interesting. And I think I think really there's, and I think certainly for me, Craig, growing up, being interested in it, there's this really bad stereotype about researching the dark side of crime. Like, why would you want to do that? You're so strange. Are you one of them? Blah, blah, blah. No, I just, I just find it fascinating. And I think somewhere out there, somebody needs to research this stuff, you know. I do feel that you are too lovable to be a serial killer. Oh, thank you. I'll say that as a compliment. But, I mean, for, for you, Craig, I mean, like, well, we can't talk about pop culture now. I mean, they're almost in a kind of weird way. Way, aren't they now serial killers I don't know if you agree with this but almost sort of hero worships in a strange way they've kind of turned these turned it around in an almost bizarre way we almost yeah they have I mean like Ted Bundy the Ted Bundy tapes I've not watched it but I have heard lots about it and they've become like celebrities almost mm-hmm. Absolutely. There is a book, actually. Let me just find the name of it. Um, I did read years ago, which I highly recommend to you. Can't be that good if I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Ah, Natural Born Celebrities, Serial Killers in American Culture, and that's by David Schmid, and it came out in 2006. Okay. Very, very good book. And it talks about how serial killers do attain celebrity status. I remember Morrissey doing a song similar to that as well, called The Last of the Famous International Playboys. And that was very much centred on, like, Roger and, and Ronnie Cray, gangsters, and how they became celebrities also. Yeah, actually. Actually, when you think about that, because Barbara Windsor, who's recently passed away, God bless her soul, she's brilliant, but she was she was involved with the Cray Twins, was wasn't, she? Them, wasn't she? Yeah, Ronnie and Reggie Crew, but I wasn't sure whether... They, no, because they're, they're different people, aren't they? The Cray Twins is another example, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. The, the mob mentality. Absolutely, of course it is. And it's a fascinating thing. And I think the thing with serial killers, because because I think people think um, in society, you know, that they're growing, but what, what what's actually happened with society that, that they're dying out, but what's actually happened is they're not being caught as much, Craig, because society, current society, how it is, has allowed them to blend in. 
They blended mm. in more now because years ago in the Victorian era, there was very much a class system and things were noticed. Now, whereas now people all have jobs, they have families, and it's very easy to kind of live a double life. And, they, you know, they kind of said that in some of the things I've, I've written down is that they very much now, there are many, many serial killers that are still active. Arnfield, who was a former police officer in the Atlantic, an online article said there is an estimated three to 4,000 serial killers active in America alone. Do we have a stat for the UK at all? We don't. I couldn't actually find one. You can have a look if you like. I actually tried to find it for worldwide, but there actually wasn't one available. Um, Sorry, I I apologize. I read that wrong. There's 2,100 known serial killers active in the US alone, but there is a further 3,000 to 4,000 who are unidentified, which that is massive, isn't it? It is. It really is. Absolutely. That is over 6,000 serial killers, known or unknown, that are currently active. And when I say known, that means they have an idea of who they might be. It doesn't mean who they think they are. Mm, That's in America alone by the way dear listener not worldwide worldwide I imagine the statistic is absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. I've just typed that into Google and Go <laughs> somebody literally just messaged the police force and was like dear Metropolitan Police Service in the last 20 years can you tell me how many serial killers have been investigated and how many are active right now <laughs> they responded with dear Mr such and such uh, freedom of information request reference blah 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 we write to you in re- response to this this is to inform you that MPS are unable to proceed your request as we require further information from you as to whether that was ever followed up who knows that's, uh, and that's the thing one thing I will say Craig as well the, the statistics I've just gotten there are from retired police officers ones who are currently taking who are currently active police officers I imagine will not be able to give that statistic out through fear of causing the public panic uh, yeah I would imagine so um, you know, so it is interesting that serial killers currently are active. They're currently working within the world and we don't know who they are. People aren't joining the dots together. They aren't following the patterns that serial... Because serial killers naturally follow patterns. And normally, I mean, one thing that a lot of people don't know is serial killers actually have a type. They have a type of person that they're attracted to and who they'd like to kill. People obviously somewhere, rightly or wrongly, aren't matching up the dots. And, and serial killers, very rarely, it does, it, does, it does happen, very rarely change their method of kill. It's normally mm-hmm. always the same way. It's either stabbing, which is more personal, or strangulation, which is more which is more personal as well, or it's through the barrel of the gun as well, which is a lot more business orientated. But anything that involves using your body or anything that's up close, like a knife, shows that there's an intimacy there. I mean, I think there was, and we might have already mentioned him, I'm not sure, but there was a killer in, was it Manchester, who killed two twin girls uh, and, and was a was a caretaker at a school? Yeah. Is that Ian? Oh, no, no, you mean Rich, you mean uh, Ian Huntley, don't you? Ian is, that, is that Ian Huntley? Yeah, the Sowerby murders. The Sowa murders. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, believe it or not, he actually shared a, um, a cell with, I don't know if you've heard of Ian Watkins from Lost Profits, the paedophile from man of, of them, they actually shared a cell. Hold on, are you telling me somebody from Lost Profits, the band, is a paedophile? Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't, know. no. seriously, really, really horrendous, horrendous, disgusting amounts. He was sentenced to 33 years in prison. Oh, I, I didn't, I've been living under a rock, dear you listener. Really <laughs> no, I believe you. Thousands wouldn't, but I do. <laughs> it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And I think what, what that statistic shows, Craig, is right now, in terms of serial killers, the future's not very good for us, the general public. No. Just as long as we don't become the serial killers of tomorrow. That's, but what I'm saying is the statistic on that is frightening. You know, that's 4,000, yeah. over 6,000 in America alone that are unidentified. Uh, sorry, 4,000 unidentified, 2,100 that are potentially identified. That's in America alone. You take that for the entire world. That's a hell of a lot. Mm. It's um, it's very, very fascinating, really. I, I need as to we, read as, more. You know, 
know, and as we kind of approach the end, Craig, um, I know there was a quote from Ted Bundy I've sent you to read. Would you like to give it a read? Yeah, I can certainly give it a read. Just bear with me. I'd like to say as well, Craig, before before you say that, is um, a lot of circles when I spoke about stabbing before, having a, having a sexual attraction is called pickerism, which is actually a sexual attraction to actually stabbing people. Um, okay. Andre, Andre Chikolito could only achieve orgasm, one of the Russian serial killers who, by stabbing somebody. I mean, that's a very interesting practice, but I personally don't associate sexual act with orgasms, but there you go. <laughs> you mean stabbing people with orgasms? <laughs> Traditionally, sexual acts do result in an orgasm, Craig. Um, well, what it's I meant was I don't associate kill, killing exactly with orgasms, well. is what I meant. But yeah, anyway, that's beside the point. Where is this quote? So, Ted Bundy said, We serial killers are your sons. We are your husbands. We are everywhere. And there will be more of your children dead tomorrow. Now, I read that in a dramatic voice, a, dram- a dramatised voice. But actually, it is really quite terrifying to know that so and we leave you with that dear listener and thank you so much for listening if you have any thoughts or anything you'd like to add please let us know our next our next podcast is it on uh it's on it's on relationships isn't it craig for valentine's day it is it is and i can just think about ted bundy recently i mean i found another quote from him and he actually said i mean there's so much more to me than this guy that goes around doing those crazy things so much more. And it sort of just does make you wonder about the psychological mentality behind it. And I think that's why people are so enamoured with serial killers and the macabre in general, because actually we still don't know what is behind that, do we? So, I mean, is Ted Bundy still alive? No, he died in 1989. Right. So we'll never know. Well, he, was executed, he, was, he was put to death by electric chair in 1989. Mm. And with that thought, we leave you. Thank you so much, dear listener. This has been very interesting for us, and for me particularly. If you are of a nervous disposition or need extra support after listening to this episode, much like I do, you can contact Callum Jones, who is the proud purveyor of Evelyn Counselling, who recently got its first client. Certainly did. I'm so proud. We are up and running. Goodbye, everybody. Take care, guys. See you on the 18th.